Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. The wonderful world of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast is now in your ears. We got some crazy news to share on this episode. We got the first firing of the season to talk about. We finally found something Mike Trout isn't good at, apparently. We have a new sponsor. Did you know that? Did you know we got a new sponsor? Sponsor? I, I did not. I am. I am. This is. I thought that was a surprise because I'm we, shocked. We uh, <laughs> we do for the for the, they specifically wanted the Dodger segment. And so we got that. Uh, looks like there might be some potholes in the road for a few teams uh, heading towards or wanting to head towards Omaha. And we're going to pay off a tease from last week. We get to around baseball. And I have one question for you. Is it okay to talk about a perfect game or a no-hitter when it's against your team? Ooh, no, I don't think so, ever. It's never good to talk about that. All right, let's send out our our drone reporters all over the country to the 16 regional sites and take a look at uh, how the first weekend of the uh, Division I baseball championships went. A lot of teams moving on to the regionals, uh, to the super regionals. Super uh, regionals. Yep. Um, Any big surprises in your mind? I think. A big surprise for me was Arkansas. They were unseated and they beat Oklahoma State, and they are moving on. And uh, that was a big surprise. But you know, I will give Oklahoma State. You know, they they had it rough. Um, they had to play a lot of games, <laughs> and uh, they played two elimination games on Sunday. The OSU cap. Um, and they fell behind in both. They were down 12 to nothing to Missouri State, and they were down 8 to 7 to Arkansas on Sunday evening. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, um, I, it seemed like it was Oklahoma State football team that was playing baseball because of the scores that were going on. I think Oklahoma State and Missouri State uh, scored the most runs of all the teams in the regionals. Um, like 115 total runs. It's so by all four teams in that regional. So, wow. So no surprise. Tennessee moves on the number one team in the nation. Uh, I mean, you know, they battled out, but they didn't have too big of a, of an issue uh, getting to the super regionals. Uh, they're going to take on Notre Dame who won their region, which was uh, Georgia Southern's region. Uh, looks like uh, Virginia Tech out of Blacksburg, Virginia. They won uh, a regional for the very first time in their program history. Yeah, they just swept through the field. I mean, they beat Wright State 15 to 9. Uh, they won 24 to 4 against Columbia and then 7 to 2 against Columbia um, in the final. And, uh, yeah, so they will be hosting their very first, um, actually they'll be going to their very first super regional, um, in the program history and they'll be playing the Sooners. 
which I have some other sooner news in just a moment. But yeah, All right. <laughs> Oklahoma is uh, is moving on as well. So they've got Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, and Louisville will match up after winning their uh, regionals. Uh, Texas and East Carolina also uh, going to move forward. Or Auburn and Oregon State. Auburn, uh, Auburn put up some football-like scores in a couple of their games. You also have the battle for the state of Mississippi. Yes, Ole Miss yeah. and Southern Miss. Yeah, playing in Hattiesburg in the Super Regional. And then uh, you mentioned Arkansas made their way through. Big surprise, they're going to be taking on North Carolina. And then uh, finally, in the very last regional decided, they had to play three games between the two teams, Stanford and Texas State. And Stanford able to pull it out and move on to the Super Regionals where they'll take on UConn. That'll be coming up uh, this weekend from the the 10th through the 13th are the parameters for when those games will be played. So we'll talk to you more next week about who's moving on as we get ever closer to the College World Series in Omaha. Uh, any uh, any of these teams you think are going to get uh, going to pull the upset? Ooh, I you know I'm looking at. Uh, Southern Miss is maybe a possible upset. And I got to throw Arkansas in there. I mean, they were unseated and they came in and uh, beat Oklahoma State. And uh, they looked really good. Their pitching looked good. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at those two. Southern Miss, we'll see, you know, between... Between Ole Miss and Southern Miss, who wins out in that battle? But I'm going to say uh, Southern Miss and Arkansas are the two that I'm going to that I'm going to be watching. Ole Miss is the uh, the lowest seeded from their um, bracket. Uh, they were a three seed out of the four. Everybody else is ones and twos that uh, that moved on. So we'll watch and see how that all comes to be. Exciting stuff. Talking about World Series and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. The Women's College World Series is coming up, and we're going to have a Red River battle in that yeah. matchup as Oklahoma will be defending their title. And this is their third straight um, trip to the finals in the College World Series, Women's College World Series, and they'll be taking on Texas. Yeah, the Battle of the Red River. Texas, the Longhorns and the Sooners can't get any better than that. Oklahoma has one of the best softball programs in the country. Um, Testament, I mean, they to the the program and how often they they are there, not just, you know, as participants, but winners. It'll be a good one. But I will say, you know, they they had to battle against UCLA, but they did come out on top. So it'll be a good one between the Sooners and the Longhorns in Oklahoma City. Home field advantage. Yeah, as we like to call it, the city. I'm going to the city. Well, as of the weekend, the Angels are on 11-game losing streak. And now... It's time for Dodger Baseball. Wait, 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 wait. wait. We're not just going to... Wait. It's time for Dodger Baseball now. (laughs) We're not glossing over... The Angels, there's some big news. What is there to talk about? Well, you know, and it, it actually, actually, as of 
as of the time of this recording, 12 game losing streak. And they just, they can't seem to do anything. And the big news that we alluded to at the top of the show, Joe Madden is done. He's gone. There were two Joes and, uh, Joe is no mo. <laughs> he wasn't the first firing, though. He we'll wasn't. Talk about the other Joe that got fired <laughs> in around baseball. But yeah, big surprise. I did not see this coming. And um, purse a question and answer Joe Madden did with Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. Joe was surprised and didn't see this coming either. Yeah, I think uh, he said you need to talk to the players, you need to talk to the you know coaches, and we haven't heard from any of the other coaches or players, and who knows when we will, but I don't know. Who was it? Perry Maniason obviously had to, to do the deed, let him know, but was it, uh, was it Artie? Was it? That's Was the question it? is, is this is, but this is the thing. Remember, we've talked about this and I said this about the angels at the beginning, they play 500 ball, right? So at the beginning, that's kind of what they were doing. Maybe they have a good week. The next week they'd kind of make up for it, or they'd go three and three in the week or two and four, maybe four and two, but they were kind of hovering around there. Then they had a great couple weeks and were 10 games over 500. They are now one game under 500 at 27 and 28. They got swept in three straight series. Last week, we talked about Toronto. Then they go to play the Yankees. They get swept. They go to Philadelphia where you figure, well, that's not going to be so much of an issue. Philadelphia is not really that great of a team these days, but we'll bring it up now. The day they're coming in, the Phillies fired Joe Girardi, and the Phillies blew up. Yeah, won that first game, what, 10 to nothing? 10 to nothing. Uh, I mean, just crazy numbers from, uh, you know, Schwarber and Harper and just... Well, the, the first game, they both those guys had two home runs each. Yeah. And then I think I told you in one game, I was like, oh, Bryson Stott. And here you're like, who, Bryson Stott? Yeah, who's that? Who, who is that? I mean, every game. So the first game, 10 to nothing. Second game, 7 to 2. It was the last game, and this was an interesting stat I heard. The Angels were leading going into the ninth inning in five of the 12 games that they've lost in a row. And they on that game three, they took off scored five runs in like the fourth inning and we're going well. And then once again, the bullpen got in there and I don't know what's going on, but Rysel Iglesias ends up giving up a grand slam to Bryce Harper that ties the game. The angels come back out, score a run. So they're up seven to six. And then Jimmy Herget comes in after Rysel Iglesias let two singles, so there's two guys on. Jimmy Herget pitches to Bryson Stott, who hits a walk-off three-run homer. 
And that's it. And the Phillies end up winning nine to seven. And when I turned the game on, it was six to two. And I'm like, all right, this is, they're turning around. They're turning it around. And then bases were loaded. Bryce Harper came up to the plate and I was concerned about what might happen. So I changed the channel because <laughs> I didn't want to see it. Nope. Yeah. And that's too that's, painful. That's the thing. It's like some of the starters are off. Another bad outing. Again, when uh, to go back to the Yankee series, Noah Syndergaard, two and a third, and just got run out, nine to one loss. Home runs, he gave up a home run in that game. Kenny Rosenberg ends up, who's a rookie, ends up uh, throwing five innings, gives up uh, four runs on five hits. So he pitched longer and gave up one less run. And Jared Walsh and, was really it. But they had they had seven hits in that and could only score one run. Yeah, that's it. And uh, Syndergaard had one swinging strike among 45 pitches. 12 of 20 runs have, um, have been scored in the first inning against Thor this season. So he can't have these day, you know, he can't have these outings where he goes, you know, one and two thirds or two, you know, Two and a third, well, and then the next third, he, two thirds. Yeah, <laughs> that game in Houston. Yeah, but then the next outing he goes eight innings. You know, he's got it. There's got to be consistency on, and I'm sure he knows that. Um, so, but I don't know what what it is. What is it with him that's going on that he is having these starts like that? Well, this is the thing that people who were like, "Are you sure about this guy?" We'll come back to, and if it starts being more and more that he's uh, having bad outings right now, he's had a couple of them. Then he makes up for it on the next one. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, right now, yeah. the most consistent pitchers, uh, Michael Lorenzen overall has been more consistent. Patrick Sandoval, more consistent. Uh, Sandoval, you know, he had a rough outing in the last game against the Phillies. And here's the thing. And I meant to bring this up a couple of weeks ago when Patrick Sandoval's on, he pitches really well, but when he's off, like he steps off the mound wrong and you can see what he's doing. And then he realizes what he's doing. And then he gets in his head and mm. sometimes he's able to correct it once he realizes but sometimes it's that that thing of knowing exactly what's wrong but having no idea how to fix it and then it just gets worse and every time you do something wrong then you're you know you're in there going man dummy why'd you do that for that was stupid why'd you do that and then you're in your head too much you know whether you're berating yourself or just going what's going on what i got to change this and so he has that issue um, you know, against the Yankees, the Yankees, you know, are right there at the top. Um, they're lucky John Carlos Stanton came off of uh, the IL like right after they left that they didn't have to deal with him, too. You know, it was I mean, they had, you know, what was uh, game three Shohei or game two Shohei uh, gives up. Three home runs. Over three innings, the Matt Carpenter. Glaber Torres and Aaron judge. It's not good. It's not starting... good. And, and, uh, Joe Madden had said, um, after that game that he thought that 
um, Shohei was tipping his pitches and that the Yankees are a good enough team that they would catch on to that or see that and use it to their advantage. And we saw, I mean, they had four home runs in that game. Just overlooking everything. You know, there were a couple of moments here and there where guys did stuff, but overall there was really no offense. A lot of people left on base, uh, not, uh, not taking advantage of, you know, runners in scoring position and just some bad pitching outings, whether it be the starters having an issue or, the starters being okay, and then the bullpen, which has been an issue throughout this losing streak, more so. But what was it we talked about that, uh, you know, hitting is contagious? Mm-hmm. I, it yeah. feels like this bad pitching and this losing mindset has been contagious, too. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this was a team that looked like they were having fun. Yeah, Mike baseball Trout looked is like fun. he was having fun. Right. They don't. Baseball is fun. Mike Trout was um, 0 for 3. In the last game against the Phillies, but he was hitless in his last 26 at bats. This was as of Sunday. It's the longest drought of his career. He was 0 and 11, four Ks during the series. And, and this is interesting. He's two for 20 with seven strikeouts in five career games in Philly. He's a hometown guy. He's from Jersey, big Eagles fan. A lot of people will talk about, oh, he would be great, Mike, if he could play for the Phillies. But I don't know that he should because his numbers in Philadelphia are so bad that it wouldn't. I've always that seen that if he well. left to go back that way, he would be probably a Yankee. Yeah, I could see a Yankee more than, more a, than Philly. a Philly. But. You know, and see, this is something now. Now that Joe Madden's gone, I had been thinking about things that the Angels could do or things that would work in their favor versus the Dodgers. And now I don't have that. And I'll tell you what that is once we get to the Dodgers segment, because that's uh, well, coming up. And then on top of all this stuff, so let's go back to Mike Trout for a second. In the 11-game yeah. ele- losing streak, he's 4 for 42 with a 0.95 batting average. He hit one home run, has two RBIs, 16 strikeouts, and has only walked twice. Normally he walks a lot more. Obviously, he hits a lot more. The hits that he had were versus Toronto. Now, since we mentioned that there's a 12-game streak, they're playing Boston right now, and he did get a couple of hits in the first game versus Boston. And we'll go into details about the, the Boston series next week. But we couldn't we couldn't let the fact that we, you know, we already knew about Joe Madden uh, go past. And then on top of all this, a couple of things have happened. They released Austin Romine, the catcher, and they brought back Joe Adele. Now, Joe Adele's <laughs> only been here a couple games now. He's one for four with an RBI, brought his average up from 215 to 217. So I can't blame it on him, but it's like, ooh, big moves, Angels. And I'm wondering if Mike is 0 for 26 because all of the things that came out about what a bad fantasy football commissioner Yes. It could. It be could be in his head. Um, he did say that all the commissioners he knows gets booed. And, you know, it could be that could be right in the back of his head this whole time. Instead of thinking about baseball, he's thinking about what can he do better as a commissioner of this fantasy football league. 
And that's what he's thinking about at the plate and why he is. Or he's trying out. to figure out how to avoid ever being commissioner again. <laughs> that but might be the real reason. his brain and, uh, and keeping him from hitting or something is. I don't know what it is, but uh, that's an issue. And then just to pile it on a little bit more, Angels have announced and posted pictures of their City Connect jersey. And, and we talked a little bit about this. Uh, last week, but now we can really go into some detail about these jerseys. They're getting a lot of praise on social media. People are loving it, but I don't get when you have to have a press release that's like four paragraphs long about what the uniform means. Is it really connecting? Are the uniforms connecting? (laughs) And I say no, because Across the front of the jersey is angels scripted out in red with a large silver halo around the top of the A and a red tail. The scripted angels is done so in a lettering inspired by vintage surf brands. The end of the tail reflects the end of a fishtail surfboard, which is appropriate as the club of Mike Trout and Tim Salmon, the angels proudly note. Now, below that scripted lettering is the player number in a Pacific Ocean-inspired navy blue and trimmed in silver. This number is designed to resemble the font used on sides of local lifeguard towers. A red diamond houses the number, another nod to vintage surfing brands. Moving to the sleeves, you'll see two red stripes wrapped around the player's left arm, one thick, one thin, This is, again, a throwback to old surfboard designs. On the right arm is a red and blue round patch with Los Angeles angels arched around in white, a navy blue palm frond in the background with the club's familiar red A with a halo logo in the forefront. Now, the overall design of the right sleeve is a nod to the old railroad signs that first connected all of the trains and the railroad tracks in Southern California. And now the jock tag, which will not actually be seen during games as it gets hidden away when tucked into the pants, and is a reminder. And by the way, this is the coolest part of the whole jersey. Is a reminder for Angel fans and Angels players and staff, a reminder to keep paddling, showing a red surfboard with fins and the angels halo above what in the world is going on here when i think of angels baseball i don't think of surfboards i know it's the oc they play in anaheim but they are the los angeles who are they connecting to uh i don't know maybe they should have gone that whole angels in the outfield idea and put wings on the back and Well, and then it doesn't make sense. They got the whole surfing thing, but then they have this round patch that is a nod to old railroad signs. I, (laughs) some of it, I didn't like them when I saw them without explanation. Right. Me either. And, and with the explanation, I see what they were doing now. Yes. I still don't like them. There's parts of it that are like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the surfboard, and it's got the little halo over top of the little fin on the bottom of the surfboard. That's kind of cool. The patch, 
I, I don't know. It doesn't look like anything connected to a railroad to me, but okay. I just um, feel like if you have to say, go into this much detail, you're not connecting anything. You're trying to make a connection, but you aren't connecting. You're trying, you're trying a little too hard to make that connection. Yeah, that, right. Exactly. So I, I looked at it when I was reading through, you know, people are like, they look like pajamas. Some people were like, you said, oh, those are awesome. I love them. I hate the hat simply because if they were going to do that, instead of putting the wider, the, to offset the, and they look white, they don't look to me, they don't look like sand. If they wanted to, no. to look more sandy, they should have called the Diamondbacks. Because right. the Diamondbacks look more sandy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, in my head, I hear John Travolta in Greece. Oh, Sandy. Anyway. <laughs> the And then somebody said that I saw in one of the, the comments said, I don't care. Just win a game. Right. <laughs> and that's where I'm uh, at. And I, yeah. I don't know. Fine. But I'm with you. My first thought was when you've got to when you've got to put out like a novel, you know, War and Peace was easier to follow and understand than everything they wrote to try to get you to understand and what's happening with these uniforms, which yeah. we'll see this weekend. Um, I will say that when it comes to the City Connects, the Dodgers had a nice addition to there and we'll bring that up when we talk Dodgers here in just a minute it seems to me like everything's going wrong with uh, with them I wouldn't be surprised if Artie's in the middle of it all I kind of made a joke when when uh, the Angels were going to Philly in my head I don't know if I shared it with you but I was like I'm sure there's people that are thinking they fired the wrong Joe today when Joe Girardi got fired and who knew? In fact, my first look after uh, after today was, are there any other Joes or Josephs that are managers? I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. But and, you know, when you were looking at some managers that are probably on their way out the door soon because Joe Girardi's firing, got it. People thinking Joe Madden's name never came up. It no, was like Scott Service in, in Seattle. Probably uh, David Bell in Cincinnati, even though that's not his fault. Um, you would think Lavello in Arizona, but he is. I think they just gave never, him a twenty-year extension. I think they did. <laughs> I would say even like maybe uh, you know Don Mattingly. You know what's going on? Uh, but in his Miami. name came. His name came up, but Joe Madden's right. didn't come up. No, but right, his name so, is Don. Right, Don, not John, not Joe. One last thing about this last week's games, and the reason I brought up is it okay to talk about a no-hitter or a perfect game while it's happening if it's against your team is because the Angels were in route, thanks to Jameson Tyon versus the Yankees, to being the victims of a perfect game. Jared Walsh put a stop to that, but through seven innings, and it was the one time that when somebody said, normally when I hear there's a perfect game going on or a no-hitter, I'm like, shut up about it. This time I'm like, oh, okay, no-hitter. <laughs> I Get wouldn't be surprised if they got no-hit just by the way they've been playing, and it's the Yankees. Well, if you have, uh, if you want to blame someone for the Angels, I would blame Dylan Hernandez, who writes for the Los Angeles Times. Um, he had a headline 
Um, and this was back on uh, June 2nd, and it said, Sorry, Dodger fans. Angels are SoCal's most fun team to watch. And then since that headline, they just went, And what's that thing that people always say now? The Angels said, hold my beer. Right. That's kind of <laughs> what happened. That's exactly, they were like, oh, yeah? Well, we'll show you Dylan Hernandez. That's right. And they were. They were. Uh, they were a you lot of fun. You call us fun. Nobody calls us fun. Yeah, don't be going that direction with me. Don't take that tone with me, buddy. All right, so Boston's in town for four, and Boston's surging. They're of course. right around 500. <laughs> They've got three of the top 10 in batting average on their team, leading the way J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Uh, I think he's number three, batting around 350. So they got to deal with, the, with, with some big bats. And a, and a surging team. And I don't know, Joey, Joey core is there. I mean, Alex core is there and, uh, yeah. who knows if there's something shady going on or if it's just through that cycle and you know what, take advantage of a team when they're down. And, uh, then it gets easier for the angels. Um, Oh, right. <laughs> Cause right. the Mets come to town. Yeah. And you know, the, probably the cool thing about the Mets coming to town is, um, oh, they're going to wear the City Connect jerseys versus the Mets. So that's it. That's the coolest thing. All right. So you told me that uh, somehow, some way, you came out on the other side of this uh, Angels week with a player of the week. And I, I um, did. I, I don't believe it. So, so I uh, have a little notebook. I mentioned this notebook before. Uh, I keep tabs of everything going on, Angels and Dodgers related. And I looked for somebody who was consistent throughout the, all, uh, you know, the, the series, Philly and, um, or Yankees and Phillies. And I went with Jared Walsh. He had a hit in every game. You know, it may not have helped. Maybe it helped, but it, in the end, it didn't help. Um, but he had a 409 batting average and four RBIs. So, yeah, I went with Jared Walsh this week because I think he was consistent and um, he showed initiative to try to get something done at the plate. All right, I'm going to go ahead and ride your coattails on that because <laughs> I, I just didn't want to see that there was anything there. But yeah, Jared, Jared definitely was uh, was the one consistent guy uh, throughout. It's time for Dodger baseball. Thanks, Vin. It is time. For the Dodgers and something that I forgot to share in the angel segment, read an interesting story out of the LA times about, uh, Andrew Velasquez who grew up in the Bronx and went to the same school. Ben Scully went to. Yeah, I read that. And it looked like he was kind of on a bad path. His dad was a police officer and he, mm -hmm. uh, they they said, you know, you got to make your own decisions. And he made a good decision and started playing baseball and yeah, his dad saw hanging out with the away. rough crowd. Yeah, he saw him drifting away from baseball and, and doing that. And he said, well, you decide. You want to be a hoodlum and go to jail or, you know, went all training day on him. You want to go to jail? You want to go home? I want to play uh, baseball. All right. Then, right. uh, like I said, the Dodgers segment has a sponsor. The great state of Pennsylvania. Am no. I right? Oh. Almost. This week's Dodger segment is brought to you by the Western Pennsylvania Broom Company. 
sweeping Chavez Ravine clean since 2022. So really close. Now, I said I was hoping with the Angels when they played the Dodgers, I was like, oh, this will be good because we've got, uh, we're real close. What, next week, week after, we have the freeway series. Yes. And I was like, what's it going to take for the Angels to beat the Dodgers? Not that they can't do it when everything's firing on all cylinders and they're not in this funk. But then I remembered two things. Number one, while Mike Trout is from New Jersey, he might as well be from Pennsylvania because they're real close to Pennsylvania and he's a Philadelphia. He leans towards Philadelphia and his fandom. But the bigger thing was Joe Madden is from Pennsylvania. And I thought the Dodgers, the Dodgers can't do anything with people from Pennsylvania. No, it's a kryptonite. They at the especially so the pirates, especially now that Western I think about it, Maybe the Dodgers are behind Joe Madden's firing. <laughs> it could be. It might come out. Could be the scandal. Can't have any Pennsylvania connected people out on the field uh, or close to the field. No, not in the parking lot. No. <laughs> Not at an A&P that's close <laughs> to the stadium. Nothing. So the Dodgers, I guess the silver lining here is they don't have to play any more teams from Pennsylvania this season. Yay. Oh, the Dodgers swept by the Pirates, uh, two and five on the week, split the series with the Mets. And I mean, you can see kind of a like, OK, you should have won those games with the Mets um, talk about that, but um, yeah, swept by the pirates. I mean, what, you know, it's like the, who does that? Yeah. The Dodgers <laughs> do. They let the, <laughs> the pirates sweep them. Oh, That's the first right. game we got to talk about Walker Bueller. Oh, Walker first game. They lose six to five, six innings pitch, seven hits. He gives up four runs Two home runs. He gives up two home runs. And the thing about this game is the Pirates had a four to nothing lead. And then they fell behind in the eighth. And then they rallied in the ninth <laughs> to win. Yep. Um, it's like, you know, crazy. So we had Bueller and then you have Almonte, who's been a really good pickup. He comes in, he pitches two innings. Um, gives up a hit, but doesn't give up any runs. But then here comes Craig Kimbrell. We mentioned him last week. Again, he comes in, pitches, and gives up uh, two runs. And that's it. You know, gives up a tying sing single in the ninth. He scores the um, Michael Chavez, who is a pinch runner, comes in as a pinch runner, um, scores the go-ahead run. On, this is something you don't hear very often, a Freddie Freeman error. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Well, and, that was uh, Craig Krimble's, Kimbrell's first blown save of the season. And it yeah. feels like he's had some shakiness in other places. You would think that he had more than one blown save the way yeah. he talks. But no, it's his first. Well, one. and he he did say um, after the game, he said he's hurting himself with walks, wild pitches, and hit batters. So he sees what he's doing. So that's, I guess, what, a good start? But he's got to correct it. 
Got to admit you um, got a problem. Right. You got to go through the steps. Um, so, yeah. And then Walker Bueller, I mean, he did go six innings, but he's not right. And then Julio Urias. I mean, again, we talked about this last week. It's like, who do you think of? You think of Bueller as a top pitcher. Urias is a top pitcher. Now, Julio wasn't too bad, but I mean, again, he six innings pitched. He gave up eight hits, four runs, eight strikeouts, um, but two home runs. Again, two home runs. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers walked seven times in that game. They could never capitalize on that. They were two for 15 with runners in scoring position um, the first two games. Uh, the seventh inning, um, Freddie tries to stretch a single into a double thrown out at second base. More base running errors um, that we've seen. We talked about it last week. It's like, you know, it's, they got to gotta get working on the base running. Uh, just... Like, what is going on? Two games. They lose to the Pirates, and then, I don't know, the next game they lose 8-4. to four. Um, This is the Pirates' first sweep of the Dodgers in L.A. in 22 years. The last time was in September of 2000. Uh, the Dodgers, have. this is the first time they have been swept this season, and they've lost 5 of 6 to the Pirates. They're one in six against the Pirates. The Pirates. Yeah, of all teams, one of the worst in in baseball, uh, or so it seems. It doesn't seem that way. Well, and it's like, are the Pirates going to, you know, they're playing, if we continue to watch them play and they win, could they grab a wild card spot? And could it be the Dodgers' worst nightmare that they would have to face the Pirates in it the could, postseason? Yeah. It very well could. That would that would oh. be way below average for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they seem to have issues. Uh, Jose Quintana has thrown ten innings against them and only given up two runs uh, yeah. over the two innings. Uh, you know, silver linings. Mookie in games one and game three. Uh, had home runs and, uh, you know, three for four, three for five. Uh, one to note here, Hanser Alberto with his uh, season first home run back in game yeah. one uh, in the loss. Uh, Trey Turner uh, kind of ran the offense in game two. So, I mean, there was there were some other guys that had some hits, but they just weren't hitting when they needed to, like you said. Uh, not very good uh, batting average with runners in scoring position. And one so. of the other things that we keep seeing is, and Bob Guerin is like Mr. Baseball Rules, like, and you would think he would be. I'm not so sure if that's really correct anymore. Um, but they challenge. And every time, I mean, very rarely, but in the Pirates, they've lost the challenges. And a lot of it has to do with like base running or obvious things like that was clearly a foul ball. It was not a home run and they challenge it anyway. We saw that happen in Arizona. I think that they need and, to get somebody else in the replay room that looks at it to see whether they want to challenge it or not. That's actually paying attention. 
Well, maybe there's not anybody in the play uh, in the replay room because according to the Mets, it's dingy and smells like rat urine. And so nobody's in there, I think, if that's true. Oh, maybe because, yeah, why would you want to sit in a room with rats or rat droppings and such? The qu- yeah, You know what I, I want to know? What I want to know is who on the Mets is the rat urine expert? Yeah, that's definitely. Let me. Let, yes, that is rat urine. I, I, I can. The essence. I can smell it. I hope that it's just smell. <laughs> yeah. That they use to identify that. <laughs> All right. Oh. So the Mets, the Mets are in for four. They had to find their way through and, and deal with it, wear mask or whatever, while in the visitor's clubhouse. Because uh, it's so horrible, apparently. Just, I've never just, heard that before. Terrible. The the Dodgers they bounce back after getting swept by the uh, the Bucks and uh, and the Mets who are the top of the NL East. Uh, they don't look as good in the first couple of games. They don't look as good as the Pirates did. They they're like no. we need a Brian Reynolds on our team. We need Rodolfo <laughs> yeah. Castro, who. Michael Chavez. We need, we need these, these guys. guys. Yeah. We need Cabrian Hayes because we're sucking it up. Well, and I can tell you the difference in this series, especially game one and two, are who's pitching. Who is pitching? Um, the Mets came in. They had a six-game winning streak going. The Dodgers snapped that. Um, it's the first time this season that the Mets – got shut out. They were the last team in baseball to not have been shut out. And they got shut out. The Dodgers shut them out two to nothing. But who's on the mound? My favorite, Catman, Tony Gonsolin. Six innings, gives up two hits, no runs. One walk, five uh, strikeouts. And then um, Brewster Gratterall, uh, Daniel Hudson, and Craig Kimbrell comes in and they all, you know, just continued and they look good. Uh, Taiwan Walker was thrown for the Mets. Um, he gave up seven hits in the two runs. Uh, Trey Turner with a double. JT had a double. So it's like, okay, you know, this is good. Um, we can, we can, okay, we know they got swept by the Pirates, but they, they won against the Mets, you know, the mighty Mets who um, at the top, of their division and Pete Alonzo in this first game, Oh, for four, three strikeouts, three strikeouts. Also, we did not see Francisco Lindor in this first game because he obviously does not know how hotel doors work. And he slammed his finger in the hotel, in the hotel door. And, um, I don't know if it's broken, but it's either sprained or he he did play. He did come into play, but yeah. So there was that. Um, second game, who's on the mound for the Dodgers? Tyler Anderson. Six innings, three gives up three hits, no runs, five strikeouts. Dodgers win six to one. Um, Chris Bassett came in. He was pitching for the Mets when 110 pitches. That was the highest of 
um, total of the season for him. And I think of any of the Mets pitchers uh, so far, but Cody Bellinger had a home run. Chris Taylor had a home run and Zach McKinstry, who had gotten called up um, because of Kevin Pillar going on the 60 day um, IL. And I had said to you when we were looking at the lineup, Zach McKinstry is a DH. That's not who I think of when I think of DHs. And then I had to eat my words because he had a home run. And I he like that in a DH. did something very DH worthy. <laughs> yes, I like that. Uh, Tyler Anderson has a scoreless streak of uh, 26 innings. He is the first National League pitcher, uh, pitcher with seven wins. Um, I meant, did mention, you know, Zach McKinstry with the home run. He came in, was called up uh, because Kevin Pillar had surgery this week to repair a fractured shoulder. So he is out. And I really hope, um, you know, playing for the Dodgers was uh, a dream of his. He's a local kid. Um, didn't get to eat what played four games. And yeah, um, didn't really then get had that. after this, all this time that we were, you know, when's he coming? What's when's he happen? coming? And then this happens. Yeah, I think it must. It's probably something that he's dealt with because when he slid the um, I think his shoulder popped out of the socket and then they realized it was fractured. Uh, but uh, he did have surgery and I hope that he is able to uh, come back and play for the Dodgers that this isn't the last that we see of him because he's been um he's been great he was great in the outfield uh needs to work on slides obviously if he's hurting his shoulder that way but Mm -hmm. yeah but zach mckinstry hit that home run as a dh which that's crazy it's like zach mckinstry's not a dh but he is crazy well and that's the end of the dodger segment yeah that's what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) this is a tale of two series and Zach McKinstry kind of comes into play in game three as well, but for a completely different reason. So it's a four game set with the Mets. The Dodgers come out, take the first two, but then there's a little bump in the road. And part of that problem is we're out of the good part of the pitching rotation. And the starter in game three has his shortest outing of his career. Oh, Walker Bueller. Would you ever think that you would say that Walker Bueller? Like, ah, he's on the mound. Uh, but he is. And he went two yes, and a third. Yes, but not for the same reason. <laughs> oh, man, we got to face Walker Bueller today. That's what I would have expected to hear, not. Right. Not the Dodger fans going, no, not Walker again. Didn't he just pitch? Yeah. Uh, He gives up five hits, five runs, two home runs. Um, And then after that, you just had, I mean, two and a third. And they just, he didn't go in the dugout this time when it has his last start where he threw his glove against the wall and into the bat rack and just, he went and just covered his head in a towel. Probably the better response. (laughs) Probably so. Um, Yeah. I mean, he had uh, three strikeouts, two walks. I mean, it just, it was bad. And then 
it didn't look any better with uh, Justin Brule coming in. He gives up a run. But then you have Almonte and Price there in the middle. They look good. They don't give up any runs. And then Brewstar Gratterall. I don't know what's going on with him. He's throwing hard, but there's not, I mean, you can throw hard, but you got to throw strikes. And he gives up three hits and three runs, only has one strikeout. And then Alex Vesia comes in, um, does have two strikes. Uh, and then M. Phillips, who wasn't supposed to come <laughs> into this game, um, did. And, uh, uh, and the his and once again, it goes back to Bob Guerin. He gets kind of the blame for this, whether he should or not. Right. But uh, he didn't know the rule. I don't. The only one that seemed to act like he knew who, the rule, and I don't know if he really knew the rule, but he acted really well, was Buck Walter. He acted like but, he knew the rule on the top Buck of the But Walter yes. could have cared less. About whether they enforce this rule or not. Right. And he's the only one that knew it. He was the only one. So here's the deal. (laughs) Apparently, there's been a rule put in place, but it's been overlooked. It's been just kind of let's not worry about it because of all the, you know, COVID stuff and the way that the seasons have gone and the way that, uh, you know, the issues of you know, from 2020 and 2021. So they haven't really enforced this rule. And the rule is for a position player to pitch, there has to be a six run, at least a six run difference. Well, at that point, it's nine to four. Do the math. Five, not six. So instead of saving the bullpen, which is what Dave wanted to do for the finale of the series, and put in home run hitting DH Zach McKinstry as the pitcher, he can't do it because they decided that they need to enforce that rule. They have to enforce it. It was an 11-minute delay in the game. And, uh, you know, the umpires on the field seemed to know it, but the Dodgers were like, yeah, let's just make sure. You call New York. So they called New York and New York said, yeah, you can't do that. And then uh, Evan Phillips comes out and the bullpen coach for the Dodgers was really upset because he's like, listen, he's got to have his, you know, time to warm up. You can't just throw him out there. You know, that can be injury. And uh, he does get the time and Evan Phillips does come in and he does strike out too. But, you know, there is also talk, though, the Dodgers are down nine to four. And how does the team feel when their manager says, you know what? We're not going to come back from this. Let Zach pitch. He doesn't think that maybe they might come back. Maybe they could rally. But maybe he just has a feeling. And the Dodgers do there where you always feel like that they have a chance in every game. And I'm feeling that less and less now. Yeah. That, That. you know, maybe this was the best move. Let's just get through it and we'll try to win the series on Sunday. Right. And I, and I think you're right. I think that was probably Dave's thought process. Really? You know, let's see what game. No. Was that Sunday 
was going to be a no-win situation for the Dodgers because it involved Zinnings. Oh, the Zinnings. And also, you know, I mentioned Pete Alonso and how he was like, Oh, for four and had three strikeouts in the first game. In the third game, in the second game, he had a home run. The third game, he goes three for five, has five uh, five RBIs and two home runs. And then, as you mentioned, the Dodgers cannot win in Zinnings. I think over the last two seasons, they're like six and seventeen, or I mean, it's ridiculous. And so going into this game, the Dodgers and Zinnings this season, 0 for 3, the Mets 4 and 0 in Zinnings. Why? What is it about extra innings? What is it about the Zinnings that the Dodgers can't they can't do it? And it's not because they didn't have people in place. They had runners in scoring position. They actually won a challenge of catcher's interference when Trey Turner was up to up to bat, and they can't do it. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. I hate Zinnings. I hate it. Every time if the Dodgers go into Zinnings, it's like okay, I just turn off the TV, turn off the game because why bother? They just. Yeah, they just they couldn't they couldn't put together. They drop it five to four. Now Trey had uh, was two for four with a home run, two RBIs. Freddie two for five. Will Smith with a home run. Uh, Julio didn't look too bad. Went uh, five and a third. Gave up three hits and only one run. The problem came out of the bullpen again. And his name. Is Bazooka Joe? Oh, I mean Bazooka, as they call him. Oh, they call him Joe. They're gonna fire him. <laughs> they're gonna fire him if they added the Joe. That's Bruce Stargraderall. Uh, pitches an inning, gives up two hits and three runs. Only has one strikeout. Um, yeah, I mean you can't do that, and not against the Mets because they saw in the game the night before. You know, this is this was a good matchup and, you know, they split the series. So you're like, oh, OK, you know, this, we'll see how this goes. But there were a lot. There were mistakes. There were rules. You know, obviously they didn't know. Um, and again, uh, Julio looked better, you know, on the mound. But you had the first two games, Gonsolin and Anderson and then Euler and Urias and they just can't get it done. Now, something else in the last two games that we didn't see in the first two is Francisco Lindor contributing home run in game three, mm-hmm. was uh, two for four in game four. So he, you know, had it, and he's 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 definitely this season uh, looking like the guy that uh, the Mets went after and the guy we saw in Cleveland for uh, yeah. for all those years. So yeah, his finger was okay. He after yeah, he figured he got, out the door. He got over it. The big problem was Zinnings. All right, it's so Zinnings. Be, before we uh, we look at who the Dodgers uh, are playing uh, this uh, this last week, or you know who they're going in against, and we'll talk about next week. Would you like to talk about uh, something that hasn't happened in a couple of games, and that would be the Dodgers' new program, Club Dub, in the um, oh. Club Dub. It happened. Started by Justin Turner, of all people. And uh, Mookie Betts as a Mookie DJ. Mookie Betts part of it. 
Um, got some smoke machines. Got disco balls. And uh, uh, yeah, Bats are, uh, playing DJ. Got the two turntables and a microphone, I guess, going all back on it. And uh, apparently, Justin Taylor, trying to make things fun, said, wins are hard to get in Major League Baseball. We should celebrate every win as if we'll never get another one. And I think it would be nice if they would share that with the Angels. Because it seems to me like they don't believe they're ever going to get another one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, something fun in the clubhouse um, for the Dodgers. They're, you know, they got their own yeah club dub. Uh, on a um, note, I mentioned Kevin Pillar on the IL. Also mentioned Edwin Rios. I didn't mention him. Um, he has a hamstring injury. Now, first they said it was torn. I don't know if this is any better. Dave Roberts said the injury is to the lower part of the hamstring and part of the tendon or the muscle came off the bone. Oh, that sounds awful. And it, he's not going to need surgery, but he's going to need a handful of weeks. And, um, Eddie Alvarez, two time Olympian was called up and, uh, he contributed in that game four. Yeah. RBI in that game. He, uh, for the games he was up two for five for batting 400. Yeah, so he's, you know, Olympian and uh, a baseball, a silver medalist in baseball, a summer games, and a silver medalist in short track speed skating. So one of only six athletes to be in both the summer and the winter Olympics gets called up because Edwin Rios is on the IL, and uh, which is unfortunate because he, you know, was coming into his own, was out all last season with shoulder injury. So, but hopefully, you know, with the club dub, they can, do they take it on the road? I don't know. They pack I, up everything? I would think so. When you win, it yeah, doesn't you matter know. where you're at, right? Yeah. You so got to celebrate. Maybe, uh, maybe they do that. Uh, just, uh, just so you know, uh, Max Muncy already doing a uh, rehab uh, assignment in Oklahoma City. And his first game out looked like every game that he's played this season, he walked and struck out six times. He walked once. Yeah, I mean, out two times. <laughs> he played it. Yeah, in the first game, he he played third base the whole game. He was o um o for three with a walk. Second game, he played second base. He was one for three with a walk and a strikeout. So yeah, no difference there. Um, Andrew Haney also was in Oklahoma City. Um, he retired the first seven batters he faced and nine of the eleven overall in three innings of work. He struck out five, didn't have any walks. So he's looking good and should be hopefully back in the rotation. And then Clayton Kershaw was in one of my favorite cities. I love to say it. It's not my favorite city. I just love the name. Rancho Cucamonga playing for the Quakes. Um, and he should be back in the rotation this weekend in San Francisco. So that is really good news. So they're heading to San Francisco. But first... They're heading to the south side of Chicago, the baddest part of town, to take on the White Sox. And and Leroy Brown. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he plays for him anymore. <laughs> no. Probably retired. Yeah, quite quite a few years ago. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. 
Nope, they're going to deal with uh, bad, bad Tim Anderson and uh, and crew, which another one of those teams. And unfortunately, as we talked about before, uh, no Joe Kelly as he is uh, he is on the IL. All right, so who's your player of the week? Do you have one? So I do. I actually have two. Um, I was going to go with Trey Turner because he was consistent in all but one game where he was like 0 for 4. Very untray-like. And then I thought, wait a minute. I need co-players of the week. And that is Tony and Tyler. The Tony and Tyler. The sweet life of Tony and Tyler. It's a new show premiering on Disney+. Plus. 5-0, and 7-0, and respectively. Yeah, I mean, these two guys... You know, can't say enough. They were piggybacking off of each other, helping each other out. And now they are really the one and two, you know, your one and two starters for the Dodgers. For sure. Well, I had thought about giving it to Eddie Alvarez, honestly. But uh, instead, I went back and looked through all my notes. And for the second week in a row, I am giving it to Mookie Betts. All right. 11 for 31, two home runs, seven RBIs, and a 355 batting average. And there was a play in a game that I was watching, and it was Joe Adele in right field. And Joe gets the ball, and he throws. The runners go, and they were going, uh, in this game, the runners were going first to third constantly. And Joe gets the ball and makes the throw, and it bounces about the shortstop where the shortstop was and then gets over, maybe a little farther over. But he wasn't going to get him. And all I thought was, we need Mookie Betts in right field because Mookie would have would have gunned him. And uh, that's one of the good things. Mookie is definitely coming back around from whatever was ailing him before. Maybe it's the DJ being a DJ. I don't know. He looks like he is having fun. And not only that, we've mentioned this before on SRBB. Mookie also feeds into and is excited when his teammates are doing well, when they get home runs. He's like one of the first guys, you know, in the dugout or, you know, if he's on the base pads to to congratulate them. So, yeah, it's all about fun and um, that's a great choice. Yeah. Mookie bets. Mookie. So last week when we got to around baseball, actually we we're going to close out the show and we just forgot about it, which if you listen regularly, you know, we do this often and we were going to talk about, cause we brought up the angels city connect or whatever they are. And we were going to talk about, a team that has a pretty good city connect. And before we get to that team, we're going to do that. I was also reminded during the week, uh, the Cubs wore their city connect. And I was thinking these guys have the best ones, but I think it's a tie or the Cubs are slightly better with their Wrigleyville jerseys, the dark blue Wrigleyville. Cause that's the area that, you know what they call and, it in Chicago. Yeah. And we just got done with the Dodger segment and you teased that you were going to talk about the city I forgot Connect to do that edition. too. So let's go back to that too before we talk about the one we were talking next one. The Dodgers last season when they did their city connects, their hats were the standard blue color 
And on the front, they had written Los Dodgers because that's what's on on the um, jersey. When they wore them versus the Mets, they uh, had a different hat. It was still the all blue Los Dodgers on there. But on the hat, they had moved the Los. They put the iconic L.A. on there, moved the Los Dodgers to the side and then put a black brim. Yeah, it was sharp. sharp. Yeah. Uh, good addition yes. to City Connect. And I like that, that they are, yeah, that they're upgrading. So will they upgrade, you know, is that something that they'll do um, on a consistent basis? And now basis? I'm thinking about it is that somebody knew the Angels were going to go on a losing streak and those uniforms are punishment. <laughs> Let's go surfing now, everyone, surfing now. Come Learning and... how. I know. <laughs> I just. All I could think of well, was, well, you know what? Maybe they need to spend now. less time thinking about surfing and riding trains. <laughs> Choo-choo. Play some baseball. Uh, well, so if the, they think about trains, they can be, I think I can. I think I can. They need to be a bullet train. Okay. That doesn't even stop or slow down when it runs somebody over on the tracks. That's, yeah. They got, That's they what I'm can't, saying. They can't be the, I think I can. They got to be, no, we they, can, we know and we're can. running over. Yeah. We know we will. <laughs> that would be good. All right. So two things about this. When I saw them before we ever talked about, before we ever got an explanation about the Angels, before we even got an explanation about the Rockies and their city connect, more like a state connect, I think they even said that, is that... um well, what did the Rockies say when explaining the reasoning behind the Rockies City Connect uh, awesome uniforms? One sentence. We designed them after the license plate. That's it. It was that simple. The Colorado, Colorado has an iconic license plate. It's uh, green and they've got um, and the white mountains and... Uh, that's it. And so the City Connect for the Rockies, they were green and white. Uh, they had really cool, uh, you know, the elevation, which, of course, is a mile high, the longitude, the latitude, um, patch. It all makes sense. And when they said, oh, yeah, we just went with the license plate, it makes sense. I didn't have to go. It's, it, it brings back memories of a different time. We didn't need that about the angels. Mid-century <laughs> lettering and things on a here and a da da da. <laughs> you know what? Even even the Nationals, as as stupid as those City Connects were, you at least knew when you saw them, unless you don't know anything about Washington D.C., knew what it was about. Yeah, the cherry, the cherry blossoms. blossoms. Yeah, and they have a have a big cherry blossom festival every year and um, people flock there in the spring um, to see the cherry blossoms. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And they Don't weren't too bad. They were Congress gray. That way, the sheep that <laughs> flock to Capitol Hill. Oh, <sighs> trying to stay apolitical. But, okay. Here. Even the asterisks. Yes. Their city connect. <laughs> They connect better with where they're at, and they look good. Yeah, yeah. The Dodgers, the colors look good. Angels, the Angels don't. 
The Angels, no. I, I see what they're trying to do, but they're just terrible. So let's move on from City Connect jerseys. Talk a little bit real quick. I uh, was looking at um, at the uh, the minors and the Angels and the Dodgers' top three prospects. For the for the Angels, it's Sam Bachman, pitcher, 1.98 ERA over four games, a 1.17 whip, eight strikeouts in 13 innings. So whatever his little issue was that pulled him out of the game I talked about last week, he seems to have gotten past it. And I, I pretty much believe unless something changes, we're going to see Sam Bachman up at uh, the major league level this season. Uh, Errol Vera, shortstop, playing for the Inland Empire 66ers. Overall, numbers not looking great. 222 batting average, six doubles, two home runs. And his fielding percentage is below average for uh, the uh, for the others in at the shortstop around the uh, California League. And then also in, uh, in high A, because that's low A, uh, with the Dust Devils, Kieran Paris, second baseman, batting 211, 11 doubles, uh, no home runs, and uh, also not a great fielding percentage. Uh, these guys do have room to work. Uh, Errol Vera's like 19 years old, so they're still still working on it. Looking at the Dodgers in their top three, we've talked about this guy before, Diego Gartaya. Gartaya, sorry, I was going to say Diego Garcia, but it's uh, that's an island that's in the middle of the Indian right? Ocean. Uh, Diego Gartaya. Uh, many times uh, <laughs> has uh, has gone to uh, before he was in Ranch Cucamonga. He's moved up to Great Lakes, uh, batting 273 on the season, 10 home runs in 37 games. Since he's moved to the Great Lakes, he's really turning it on 417 batting average over four games and an OPS of 1421. So he is uh, he is coming alive there. Uh, Bobby Miller, a lot of people are talking about this guy hitting the mound for the Dodgers at some point uh, in Tulsa with the drillers uh, over 37 innings pitched. He's uh, two and one with a 4.38 ERA, 1.08 whip, 40 strikeouts over those 37 uh, innings pitched. And then finally, Michael Bush, who's uh, played uh, played 31 games in Tulsa. Uh, batted 306 there since he's moved up to Oklahoma City and his 16 games there he's only batting 203. This is a guy that uh, they talked about maybe seeing some time and even was on the bubble uh, out of spring training as to whether he was coming up to be part of uh, the team. Uh, right now it looks like the Angels have one team in first place with a uh, a winning record and that would be the Rocket City Trash Pandas are uh, 30 and 21. And they're in the Southern League North in first place. Dodgers uh, have one team in first place. That would be the Oklahoma City Dodgers, 32 and 22. And they're playing there in the Pacific Coast League. So we'll take a look at uh, at more of those. Uh, their teams are all like everybody else in the Dodgers are second. Uh, whereas the Angels uh, look more like the Tri-City and the 66ers look more like um, the big league team. Although the... Uh, the Salt Lake City team does have a winning record. They're in third place in the PCL West. So let's take a look now at Player of the Week for the MLB. Who had the AL honors? So Players of the Week, Jordan Alvarez. 
He signed a six-year, $115 million contract extension, and then he just went crazy through a stretch of games. He was 565, 565 batting average, uh, 1.217 OPS, six games uh, in six games, four home runs, eight RBIs, two walks, only one strikeout during that time. Uh, so Jordan Alvarez of the Astros and then uh, Brendan Rogers of the Colorado Rockies. Um, he was batting less than a hundred through April, but he's looked a lot different. Um, and uh, yeah, he had his best game was in the Rockies doubleheader. Um, against, I think it was against the Mets. Rogers uh, matched a career high three home runs, and his final home run was a two run walk off winner. And uh, so, yeah, Brendan Rogers turning it around for the Rockies is the NL player of the week, and Jordan Alvarez, the AL player of the week. Now, with it being a new month, um, we have lots of players of the month, pitchers of the month. Relievers of the month and rookies of the month. So could you guess who the AL player of the month might be? AL player of the month. Hmm. All rise. I was going to say Aaron Judge. Who else could it be? This guy's been incredible on fire. And as long as he doesn't get hurt, it's going to be a long season for a lot of pitchers. Yeah, he was named the American League Player of the Month. Uh, He had 12 home runs in May. He tied with Mookie Betts for the most of any player. He batted 311 with a 1.077 OPS. That was second best in the American League, and he has 25 RBIs, also ranked second in the AL. And then for the National League, the player of the month was Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals. There were a lot of uh, Dodger fans that thought Mookie deserved this award. Um, but Goldschmidt batted 404 in May to lead the National League. His 1.288 OPS was the best in the majors. His 10 home runs uh, during the month ranked second behind Mookie Betts. And 33 RBIs were the most in the MLB. So deserving very deserving for cardinals first baseman paul goldschmidt let's go to the mound and look at pitchers of the month rangers left-hander martin perez and phillies right-hander zach wheeler were named pitchers of the month for may it's the first career pitcher of the month for both of these guys uh perez led all qualified starters with a 0.64 era in may he went four and oh 33 strikeouts over his six starts, and Texas won all six of those games that he started in. And then Zach Wheeler went 2-0 with a 1.65 ERA, 40 strikeouts in his five starts. And in the early part of the season, fastball just really wasn't cutting it, but he has regained that fastball, which helped him um, on his way to earn the accolade of Pitcher of the Month. And uh, these two guys... The Angels are familiar with this guy. The Dodgers are very familiar with this guy. Relievers of the month, Yankees right-hander Clay Holmes, who used to be a Pirate, and Pirates righty, David Bednar. 
they were named relievers of the month for May. And I don't mean he was a literally like he was a pirate. He was a swat a swashbuckler. <laughs> um, he well, he, he did some pillaging. He did. He, he threw 14 scoreless innings in May, and he allowed eight hits with 15 strikeouts, no walks, um, 3-0 with four saves. And then David Bednar, he has just been excellent. Uh, the Dodgers can attest to that. Um, he saved seven games in May to go with uh, 1.65 ERA, 21 strikeouts, two walks in 16 and a third innings. Four of his seven save conversions in May were four-plus outs. So he was going the distance there. Our very last award for the month, Rookie of the Month. And uh, these are two guys on the West Coast. AL Rookie of the Month, Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. And outfielder Luis Gonzalez of the San Francisco Giants. Julio Rodriguez earned his first career monthly award and is the first Mariners player to win AL Rookie of the Month since Mike Carp in August of 2011. So is that a, um, do you think that's one of those things like when you're on the, you win the best new artist Grammy and then you never do anything else? You know, how many guys <laughs> got the Rookie of the Month? Because do you remember Mike Carp's Mike, accomplishments? No. I don't, but I do remember the guy in San Francisco, Luis Gonzalez is San Francisco's first winner since Buster Posey in July of his National League Rookie of the Year winning season in 2010. Of course, Buster is now retired, but uh, we do remember Buster. We do know Buster and remember him. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, 21-year-old, uh, he batted 309, 12 runs scored, four doubles, triple, six home runs, 17 RBIs, five stolen bases, and a 527 slugging percentage over 28 games played. Um, among AL rookies in May, he ranked first in hits and total bases, tied for first in home runs and stolen bases, second in RBI, and OPS and third in batting average. The Mariners player, aged 21 or younger, to reach base at least five times in a game, joining Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez. He has begun his career successfully stealing in each of his first nine attempts. And then Luis Gonzalez of the San Francisco Giants, 26-year-old, posted a slash uh, uh, batting average 368, Eight runs, 28 hits, seven doubles, a home run, 13 RBIs, five walks, three stolen bases across 23 games. Finished the month with a career best four hits against the Phillies. Uh, He batted 423 with four doubles and four RBIs in six games. He just, yeah, was crazy on fire, these two guys. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, we should pay attention to these rookie of the month winners and uh, see if they end up, you know, at the end as, you know, being in the mix for AL Rookie of the Year, NL Rookie of the Year. Or, as you said, are they one-hit wonders? And for well, May. Mike Carp played six years, uh, got to make it to a World Series with Boston in 2013, career 254 hitter, 27 total home runs, and a 1.9 e, uh, war. I don't know how he had an ERA. He wasn't two-way at that point. 
So, I mean, you know, he had. Well, he I'm had sure in Boston. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet there's some guys, maybe somebody in a, it, at Fenway wearing a carp jersey, maybe somewhere. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but okay, if you want to, go ahead. You can go that route. I, you feel like, I, feel like that's the way you need to go. Yeah, right. I have no idea who he is and where he is. So, so a couple things, a couple little notes here. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, who was. DFA'd is uh, has now been signed to a minor league contract by the Diamondbacks. Yeah, we knew he would end up somewhere. We just didn't know where. And uh, the pitching coach for the Diamondbacks uh, has worked with uh, Dallas Keuchel, um, I guess, early in his career. And um, so maybe that'll be a good match for him to get his stuff back or who knows i don't know he can compare beard products with uh, mad bum there could be a lot yes, of good things going on if he makes he... it to the majors <laughs> right that's the big if uh, somebody else who got dfa'd earlier is now ready to be dfa'd again his name is robinson cano and it looks like the padres have already had enough without his performance enhancing uh, drugs i guess he is is nothing anymore. No PED. Yeah, he was batting no like six. Yeah, he was batting like his batting average was sixty point six four. Well, less like than that. Mike Trout. Yeah. During the uh, during the losing streak. So crazy. Yeah. He's he gone. probably should just have given up uh, b- before. And said, you know what? I'm I'm out of it. I can't do it. He should have just said, I need a ride on the wheel of I am. It's something interesting about the wheel of IL. There's a lot of pitchers that are hopping on. Uh, the Cubs pitcher Drew Smiley has an oblique injury and will be out for at least a month. Uh, Royals pitcher Zach Greinke is on the 15-day IL with a right flexor strain. Minnesota Twins pitcher Sonny Gray is on the 15-day IL with a right pectoral strain. And Chris Paddock, who was a pickup for the Twins from San Diego underwent Tommy John surgery and he is out for the season. So not the result that the Twins were hoping for. Um, Max Scherzer, this is an interesting one. Now he is still spinning on the wheel, has an oblique injury, but he was out running with his dog. His dog hurt her leg and he went to try to help her and he touched her leg and she bit him on the hand. So he has a dog bite. Now he says that it is a non-story. It does not matter. Um, It's not going to delay his rehab. Um, He can still, you know, lightly toss with his, with his right hand, but yeah, he got a dog bite. So he's on the IL with a oblique slash dog bite injury now. Um, Obliquely. Oblica. Oh, my uh, arm. Oh, 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 my hand. Yeah. Uh, I don't Jinx. know what happened when I touch my dog. Oh, no. She <laughs> took a bite out of my hand. Now I can't throw the ball. Ha, 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 ha. 
Segura of the Phillies is going to need surgery to repair his fractured finger. He's going to be out 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, Pirates pitcher Dilly Pickles, Dylan Peters, is on the 15-day IL. I have no idea why. Couldn't figure it out. Um, He's on it. So, yeah, well, he's on the IL now. Uh, Will Myers of the Padres uh, is on the IL with knee inflammation. Uh, One of our favorites, uh, Hinjin Ryu. Uh, former Dodger and uh, Hinjin Babe Ryu, as we know him, now with the Blue Jays, is on the 15-day IL with elbow inflammation and forearm strain. So not sure Uh-oh. what's happening there. That doesn't Uh-oh. sound good. Uh-oh. No, that usually is uh, turns out to be Tommy John time. Yeah, so that uh, that is the will this week with lots of pitchers taking a ride and as we mentioned some pitchers are hopping off to give those new pitchers a spot on the wheel that's awful nice of them that's right (laughs) here have my spot another uh srbb favorite hit a milestone in their career albert pujols played in his 3000th game yeah uh, amazing 3000 pretty incredible yeah and then a couple of things. Number one, we're going to go back to the Pirates, but not because of what they did at Dodger Stadium. Saw something pretty cool uh, about uh, a light show. You know, there's a lot of teams. I know like both um, both the Angels and the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers do there on Friday nights. The Angels do theirs on Saturday nights. Teams around uh, the league will do fireworks. Friday fireworks, Saturday fireworks after the game for every home game. Well, one of the coolest things I've seen is, is that the Pittsburgh Pirates did, instead of fireworks, they did drones with lights on them. And they had the drones up doing uh, an outline of Roberto Clemente. Uh, They had a a bat hitting a ball and and a lot of other things. If you can find it, we'll we'll have to look it up and and put it on on our our social media, which is uh, Twitter where it's social uh, sibling rivalry BB without the a Facebook and Instagram sibling rivalry BB with the a, and then you can find our website, sibling rivalry BB.com. So that was, that was pretty cool. Now the other yeah. thing is that we talked about going to the movies last week and I was ready to just get on by that and move on out of here, but let's, let's take a moment and uh and talk about now i think this was a one-off thing uh as far as like in the theaters or maybe eventually it'll come out but uh the uh facing nolan movie well put together had the full cooperation of the ryan family you even get to see uh his kids and his grandkids and you know, they all have fun together and how much of his, you know, how much of, uh, of his career his wife was part of. And and actually, because of something she told him early on, kept him moving forward in his career. And he became the legend that he is because of it. I highly recommend if you get a chance. I don't know. I'm sure at some point we'll probably see a DVD or streaming somewhere. Yeah, Take it's going to be. It's going to be on digital platforms on July 19th. Oh, there you go. See, I didn't even look for that yet. But definitely uh, take a chance. If you love baseball, the history, 
there's uh, Dave Winfield is in there and he's pretty funny about some of the stuff. And they talked to a lot of uh, players who faced him, who knew him. And then, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing it. I didn't get a chance to see it. I was seeing another movie that night. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to the 19th of July when I can watch it. You were watching the movie that you went on Tuesday. I went on Sunday. We saw the same movie. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to blame it on Planet Head, but it's a one-time thing. For the second week in a row, Top Gun is the top grossing movie. Yeah. It'll I mean, be there long into the summer. I know, but we had to see it advance tickets. We didn't even wait till, you know, it came out like on that Thursday. We had to see it on Tuesday because we got advanced tickets, but we got a special poster. We got a pin to commemorate I saw in the theater we were at, um, (laughs) a lot of people had all that stuff and the people were dressed up or, you know, wearing bomber jackets or wearing, you know, flight jackets and stuff like that. So, yeah. Now that too is a good movie. Worthy, uh, a worthy, um, sequel. Yes. If you didn't see the first movie, where have you been? (laughs) It's like 36 years ago. And it's like one of the greatest movies, I mean, of all time, most com- yeah. one of the most commercially successful. How did you miss that? But if you haven't seen it, uh, it's streaming everywhere. So you can watch it on, on, you know, premium channels. And you can find it streaming on Amazon Prime or someplace else like that. So you can watch that and then go, but you don't need it really. You can watch this movie without knowing what happened in the, but there's things that'll happen that people who do know the story around you will go, oh, right. Like I did during the credits when I saw something and thought, oh, (laughs) yeah, good. uh, It's a good movie. So yeah, you. Yeah, go uh, go see that, and of course check out Facing Nolan when it comes out on. Digital platforms, July 19th. Uh, I want to end SRBB. I don't know if you're ready to end SRBB this episode. We can end this episode (laughs) unless you're done with me. No, no. I want to end it on. Because I told uh, you before, I'm I'm willing to go on with Jeff's uh, (laughs) Jeff rivalry baseball (laughs) podcast. And I'll just sit here and argue with myself. No, no, no. I don't want to end it. I mean, I want to end this episode on a high note with uh, two stories about a couple of players. Um, Kansas City Royals pitcher Jose Quaz. Uh, he was drafted by the Brewers in 2015 as an infielder, but he was converted to a pitcher. Uh, he bounced around baseball. And then in 2019, he landed with the Diamondbacks in Arizona and uh, COVID hit and he was released. So, he needed to support his family. So he drove, um, he was a FedEx delivery driver. And when he would come home at night, he would, um, play catch with his brother. And he finally made his MLB debut on May 31st against the Cleveland guardians. And he recorded his first major league strikeout. So cool story there for Jose Quaz and his family. And then another cool story 
is uh, Carlos Car- uh, Carrasco. Um, his dad had never seen him pitch. Wow. In the major Cookie's leagues. He's been around for a long time, too. Yeah, I mean, 11 seasons. Cancer survivor. Years old. Yeah. It just didn't work out. His mom has seen him uh, when he played in Cleveland, but his dad was un- unable to make it from Columbia, where they're from. And when games where his father was able to make it, he it didn't align with the spot in the rotation. So then the pandemic, of course, kept him away for over a year. And um, finally, his dad made it to a game and the Mets earned the victory and uh, five to uh, five to nothing against the Washington Nationals. He had five shutout innings. And uh, yeah, his dad, you can see him in the crowd. Very excited. Um, So another cool story. Um, to end this episode of SRBB on happy note. Warm and fuzzies on, on SRBB. SRBB. <laughs> All right. Well, we will catch up with you next week. That is it for us this time. Next week, we'll talk about the super regionals and we'll see if the angels can finally get off the schneid and if the Dodgers can uh, return to their overall winning way. Thanks for checking in with us. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to swing away. Thank you.